Spades by Alta Hensley. Nick Hudson has a dangerous reputation. That's what I need if I'm going to survive. Desperation makes me seek out a ruthlessly powerful billionaire. I need protection, and he demands my virtuous payment. I'm falling into a world of luxury and sin. With every twist and turn, I need more. Except this is not a man to love. This is a man to fear. His obsession grows. So does the threat until I'm trapped in a world of depravity. I'll need more than Nick's strength to survive. I'm going to need his heart. That's King of Spades by Alta Hensley. A slav now. Go grab it, lady listeners. Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, lady listeners. Welcome back to another week at Read Me Romance. It's Thursday. You are about to get the second installment of Ring Your Neck by J.C. Wolf. We are so excited to have her with us, and we know you're done for the second part so we're going to make you wait for it. <laughs> so I had uh, something I posted up in uh, Facebook last week was I asked me anything. I said we hadn't done that in a while with our, our Facebook group, Read Me Romance Headquarters. So I posted up, asked me anything, and I didn't read them beforehand. Oh, I but, didn't even see it. So I didn't even know. <laughs> I know. Well, I did have, I did say on there, I said, if you don't want to put it on here, you can message me. And they were like, okay. So someone messaged me. And she gave me permission to share this, but I won't say who who it is. So she said, I don't want to share this in the headquarters because it's kind of personal for my child, but I've just listened to the podcast 164.1 with Claire Hastings, and I wanted to send you girls a message about teaching our kids about sex, etc. One of my kids is autistic, and so I think I get a bit of insight others don't. Buy your kid the vibrator. They want it. If you have a super good relationship with your autistic kid, they'll tell you, but the ones who aren't autistic won't. So open that conversation and ask if they want stuff. Offer to get it for them. Get them something private to keep it in and let them explore their sexuality and tell them it's normal and okay. You're not sexualizing them. They're already sexual beings and they need to tell you and they need you to tell them it's okay, that it's normal and that kinks are cool. In our house, two-year-old, we have a saying, we don't kink shame. So I just, I thought that was really cool, like, that she shared that. I'll make sure to pull that. You know what's so interesting uh, that you said that? I was on Facebook yesterday, Mm -hmm. and I was scrolling, and somebody had shared a post where a woman was complaining about she was in Target, and when she walked down the aisle, the vibrators were there. She's like, I had to turn and hurry and shove my back to it before (laughs) my kids seen it. What? Yeah, and other people are like, well, what do you do about the condoms that are one row below, one yeah. row below, and or the tampons, stuff like that? And somebody had responded, and they said, you know, this sounds like um, you got some shame for yourself there. Yeah, yeah. And then for they sure. were like, this is a lot to unpack, and I think it has more to do with you than your kids. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. But I was like, that's. And she was like mad and all these people were on there They're like, I can't believe this was in the store. And mm-hmm. it was making it so like, I don't know. I just felt, it felt like, I felt like they were trying to make us feel dirty for using yeah, a vibrator. Absolutely, it was like, absolutely. Yeah. It was that there was some shame to it. They're like, mm-hmm. this should be an adult novelty store. I'm like, no, it's, it's in the pharmacy area where I buy the condoms and everything where it should be. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe this gives people access to it. So it's not such a shameful thing. 
you know, people who might not have access to it otherwise. I think that some people really just don't look at masturbation as just like a healthy thing. Yeah. Yeah. A healthy, Mm -hmm. natural, normal thing. thing. Yeah. It's like laughing. It feels good. Like, it's I don't just understand. I was like, wow. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because I think it's still such a shameful thing, especially for women to have orgasms. I think that's still such a, such a taboo I think that's subject. What bothered me the most is because I was like, they're clearly for women. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. like, so how here we are trying to rip it out of the store so we can't have easy access to it. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I just thought that was a really nice message and I was glad she sent it. So, all right, here's some other questions. While, I'm a, while I've been a big fan of the podcast, it always helped me to find new books and romance books in general. I'm finding BookTok another great source for recommendations. Do y'all think TikTok has helped increase the romance community readers and Alexa Riley fans? I think that there is an area for book talk. Some people love it and some people don't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's always going to be a new avenue on how to find what you're looking for. You know, I think it's great for um, that there's a new space to talk about romance. I think mm-hmm. that's amazing anytime that happens. You know, if there's ever a new app or place or, you know, <laughs> device that shares more romance books, I'm all for it. Yeah. I don't know that it's made um, a huge impact on Alexa Riley thus far, just because, you know, we we don't really have that corner of the internet market, you know, that we don't really have a ton going on over there other than the silly videos. I've noticed that it's the readers that blow up books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And not every author translates into TikTok, which I get. Like someone even mentioned, like, they're like, why do you think the Kardashians aren't on TikTok? If it made them money, they would be on it. Yeah. And they're like, it's just not their platform. It doesn't work for them because TikTok is really about being like having real, super real. Yeah. Super real. Mm -hmm. Off the cuff. More authentic, like you know, being, doing more artistic or creative things or something like that, discussing what your passion is. That's just not a platform that works for them. You know, they are definitely more of like the Instagram where everything's really pretty and airbrushed. (laughs) But like with TikTok, with BookTok in general, I think it's awesome. And I do think it's actually, there is a lot of drama that happens on it, but sometimes bitches get exposed for a good reason. So... (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I mean, I see some people go down on there and I'm like, we been new, babes. (laughs) Like, we all knew this a long time ago. So sometimes that's kind of nice. But I mean, I watch the drama. I don't like to get involved in it. But goodness, it pops up on my feet an awful lot. (laughs) But yeah. All right. Next one. What's been the highest high as part of the riding duo Alexa Riley? And what has been the lowest low? Oh, the highest high. I guess hit New York Times. That was pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. New York Times. Yeah, that was, sure. the, that was the highest high. That was the best. Lois, like, get, get off Amazon. <laughs> there, yeah. That's I was like, this so, one's easy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> do you find it hard to write when there's so many books to read? Like, how do you write your own stories when you want to get lost in someone else's too? Also, thank you for opening my eyes to Lauren Donner's new species series. You're welcome, Chelsea. i actually think sometimes it helps with writing like i agree sometimes i'll be in a writing rut and if i start reading i'll be like i want to go write yeah Mm -hmm. or i actually think it helps 
I'll read something I like and I'm like, oh, that sounds really fun. I wonder what my take could be on that. You know, like even, you know, we were talking about on Tuesday's episode, Allie Hazelwood's hero about a virgin or, you know, a guy who didn't like sex. And I thought, gosh, that would be a really fun character to write. And I don't really see that as like plagiarism or whatever you want to call it. I find that as like like inspiration. Beauty Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. I see that as more like inspiration more than anything where it's like, oh, okay. I I want to write a hero who's blind or Mm -hmm. just that kind of thing. Yeah. So I find like that sort, especially when I I try to read writers who are better than me, because that gives me something to aspire to as well. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really creative how they did that. Like that was really smart how they like paced that story or like, you know, something along those lines. Like I like to read stuff like that because then it gives me those realizations. But I do think once you're a writer, I don't know if you ever read books the same, like you know, it's funny, like I was talking with another writer friend about this a couple of weeks ago and she was like, she said she was reading this scene and it was so sexy and she was like, but there was nothing sexual about it. And she said, I read it like three times because I thought, how does she do that? How did this author do this? And she was like, before I wrote books, I would have never thought that I just would have mm-hmm. read it and loved it and kept going. Yeah. And I was like, I could see that. So. I think that. Sorry, no, I'll notice that too. I highlight things that I'm like, that was a really. It wasn't like, oh my god, that was a hot line. I highlight things like how somebody described something. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, I love how they said that. Yeah, yeah. All right. When you're writing, how do you decide who writes what parts, and do you ever disagree what with what the other has written? Um, I think we've written together long enough. We don't ever, we rarely disagree when we write. It's more along the lines of because, let's figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We write a lot the same. <clears throat> and if <throat> you don't like something, just when it's your chapter, redirect it another way. Exactly. One. Change it. <laughs> yeah, you just can go like, like, oh, I think she's going there, but I'm going to make this happen. So it can't go that way. <laughs> Guess what? Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, and then Wait. Mel generally always starts the book. So, and then we alternate chapters. So. It's and easy. She's usually the male and I'm usually the female. Yeah. There's only like probably a handful of books where it's been the other way. Wow. For sure. What pushed or motivated you to finally write that first book? I want to be a writer, but I'm not feeling strong enough to push myself to sit down and do it. All of your, bo- all of your books inspire me. And I guess I'm just wondering what gave you that final inspiration to go for it? Because we went to an RT and why we're at the seven days of a book conference. Yeah. We talked about the book, Look But Don't Touch. It was a 10,000 word book and we talked about it for five days straight. You could read the book in an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And we couldn't stop talking about it. And we wrote, and I was like, why can't we write a short book that's a daddy kink that we really like? Mm -hmm. We did. It was really bad. But but here's the great thing about writing is it's a muscle. When I go back and read some of the stuff we've done, Mm -hmm. I'm cringe, but other people loved it and they grew with us as our reading grew. Our writers, our readers grew with us. Like more readers yeah. came along. And as you grow at becoming a stronger writer, so is your fan base or your reader base or whatever you want to call it. And you get better. Because I remember writing a thousand words sounded daunting. Mm-hmm. But I could easily do a ton more in a day now. Yeah. But back then it was like, oh my God, a thousand, I'm dead. But it's just a muscle. If you do it, you should say every day I'm going to write 250 words. I don't even care if they're just crap. Yeah. Just write them. And then like after two weeks, be like, okay, every day I'm going to write 300 words. Yeah. 
I definitely, you just have to start. You have to start somewhere. I think it feels overwhelming thinking like, oh my gosh, I want to get to this point. You know, I want to be this kind of author. I want to write these kind of books. But you can't get to that unless you take that first step. And I also want to say, just keep writing the chapter. Even if you're writing it and you're like, this is terrible. It's pulling on the teeth to get it out. Usually when you go back like the next day or even after you're done with the chapter and you read back over, you're like, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah, I thought that was absolutely. so bad, but yeah. I read it back and that's, that's fine. I mm-hmm. added a few things, changed that a little bit and it was okay. Mm-hmm. Just get the outline down. You just got to do go it. Go back through it. All right. This says, do you pick and choose who in person you share your book interests with? I have so many Facebook groups where I go to discuss, but not a lot of friends offline I share my recs with. What experiences in your life made you say, this is just like a romance book, aka I live, I'm living the dream and do your family read your books? I think we've talked about that before. My mom reads all my books. It's embarrassing. Does she really? I didn't know that. <laughs> she has. She reads every single one. She listens to the She's so fucking supportive, and I'm just like cringing on the inside. That's and a, all she's my doing dad, is getting an amazing well, my dad letter. has them in his office. Like every paperback I've ever had are up in his office, like next to his gun racks. They are displayed. If he We're hears, very lucky. Our parents are both supportive. But he's never read them. Yeah. I would die if he read them. But if he comes over and he sees I have a paperback he doesn't have, hope it like math. What, what are you going to give it to me? I'm like, take the book, Dad. But I couldn't imagine reading them. I'm sure my mom has. Yeah. But she hasn't really talked about it. I think your mom has because sometimes she'll comment on TikTok. Or she'll either comment or she'll like do a like or something. Wait, my mom follows the TikTok? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did not know that. I did not know. <laughs> yeah. I know she loves TikTok, but I didn't I know. know she was following She's on cute, TikTok. Though. She's cute. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it's we're very lucky that our parents are so supportive. So. Yes, my parents are supportive. I'll mm. generally talk to – if I'm in an organic conversation, because my dad is super proud, but he can kind of embarrass me because yeah. if we're in public, he's like, come over. This is my daughter. She writes these books. I like, know. Oh, that's Stop. like – if it's uh, it organically comes up in conversation, mm-hmm. then that's fine. But I'm never putting it first on the table. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the other part of her question was, do you have anyone in real life you can talk book with? Yes. But I will say most of those people I met at book conferences, I met yeah. through blogs and they became my in real life friends. So I just happened to live in the town with Aunt, with Abby Knox. I, I, it just happened to work out that way. Yeah. You know, it wasn't planned. So it's great that I actually can see her in person. But most of the time, I have to make an effort to see my book friends that I discuss book with. So I don't think it's very, I don't think it's common for most people to have like, you know, your next door neighbor, somebody that you talk to about these kind of books. And mm-hmm. maybe it is, but not for the most part. But I I don't want to, I don't want you to be discouraged because you don't have friends in person that are like the people that are in your Facebook group. Yeah. You know, what's even weirder. I mean, this is bad to say. I don't know. I had a friend that we were pulled together a lot. We became friends because we liked books, like socially. And then actually when I became into the book world and found other people like me, we kind of stopped being friends because I found people that were like my personality Mm-hmm. Or mess with my personality mm-hmm. and like books. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
kind of makes me feel bad. Like, because that was the only thing that binded us together. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's so many, um, there's so many ways to meet people through the book community and to find that one person that sort of fits that's your what, personality. That's what I mean. I That online, I feel like I've found better friends and I've had in-person friends yeah. who had romance and that Absolutely. relationship was just okay. But oddly enough, the ones I found online mm-hmm. were better clicks for some reason. Like we just clicked better. I, I don't know how that. it happens or personalities clicking together or such i don't know it's crazy have you thought about branching out into longer serialized romances outside of your normal subgenre like maybe historicals or more paranormal um we i don't think we've ever written a historical technically no and we've only written i guess paranormal the vampire series we wrote we did some shifters but it's hard it's really hard for contemporary to step over into paranormal the paranormal audience is very selective they're like snooty but in a good way i respect they like what they like and that's what they like and Mm -hmm. so it's hard for someone to sort of break into that circle of i mean even myself i can only name a few who do both that i like yeah for sure and those authors are generally romance suspense authors and not necessarily contemporary yeah i could see that too yeah so we have we have a series that's a longer book um we don't really have plans to do it in the future i mean you know it was it was a fun experiment writing a long book but it definitely they're just so time consuming and it's something that has to be planned out a lot in advance and that's just not something we do with our writing like we just it works better for us to just have fun with it and write what feels good in the moment instead of like actually taking time and plotting something out, especially with two of us writing. And a longer book, you have to have a lot of details going into it. And that's just, it, it takes some of the spark out of it, I think, if that makes sense at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, totally. If you had to give up one modern convenience between watching TV or giving up your cell phone outside of stuff directly for the kids, which would you choose? You could still use a house phone or any to, or anything else to call. So give it up, a TV or a cell phone. I don't use the TV. Yeah, I'm definitely a TV. <laughs> TV's gone. You can watch TV on your phone. Well, it says on actual TV's phone laptop, but yeah. Um. All right. So what is your favorite bird? Bird? Bird. Yeah. Someone oh. named Eagle wrote that. <laughs> oh. I should have known. I don't know why. I'm so- <laughs> favorite bird but when you said bird who's your favorite i was like oh eagle but then i was yep Yep. i said only the most majestic but you have to tune in to find out (laughs) all right the question have y'all considered having the guest authors on for a short interaction or perhaps to read their own book bio or blurb that would be fun We've talked about it before. The only problem is, is with recording the episodes because we're not, Mel and I are not in the same spot. So we have to record on a program on our own computers and then we have to merge them together and then our podcast producer gets them and like layers them. And it's not even that a person, like I downloaded Audacity in a few minutes earlier to a new computer, but there's a few steps to it. But not only that, they have to have a mic. Yeah. And it's not just a generic mic. 
Yeah, it has to be a good quality microphone because otherwise we can't pick it up and it won't sound right with ours, I guess. Like it's been this whole thing because we've talked about it before and it's like, okay, what if we got a microphone and we sent it to them and it's like, okay, but they have to download the program and then record it and then upload it in the Dropbox. And it's like, are we going to do all of this? Sometimes the files aren't saving right and it can be a pain. Like Mm -hmm. I just literally had that problem. My files weren't acting right because I downloaded on the computer. So I switched back to my old one. It's just like, it might be a pain. And, and it might work. not work. Yes. <laughs> so, and then for like five minutes. So, well, you know, we've thought about it, but we haven't figured out the streamlined process. But it would be much easier if we could get an author in person. And we were in person, it would be much easier. I wonder so. if we stole the audio from this video. Like you said earlier, you could steal yeah. the audio from the YouTube. If we just mm-hmm. took their audio from that, maybe. We I don't probably know. could. Maybe so. Because I know people have done that before with like this. You know, that's how they do like interviews and post it. It's just usually more difficult difficult when there's three of us <laughs> so yeah it is because it's you can't you'll talk over each other mm-hmm. and then well and I'll even just end more- up being quiet because I won't <laughs> over talk anybody like if somebody else is talking I just won't I have to wait you have to give me a definite pause before I'll speak yeah well <laughs> and even before when we had Tessa you know managing the three audio files it's tough especially when like somebody's fucks up like that's mm-hmm. when it's really hard so so yeah, that's why <laughs> they're very long winded answer again. Why can't y'all hear me when I'm trying to be part of the conversation? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we hear you. I'm sorry that we can't respond directly to you, but we hear you screaming at us. We know you're yelling at us. Yeah. Um, I also had someone send in an email and I just wanted to address this one really quick too. It said, hello, I just found the podcast after finishing one of Tessa Bailey's books and I'm clearly behind in the times. So I'm trying to see how I can get all the latest podcast episodes, like when it all started from the very beginning. Apple and Spotify both start from episode 21 of Switch Bitter by Sarah and I. Thanks for any help y'all have. I'm hooked from the episode, from the second episode I listened to. That, I actually sent this question to our podcast producer. So she said we have over 300 episodes, I guess, because in the beginning we broke them all down into five episodes a week instead of two like we do now. So even though we're on week like 165, Mm -hmm. we actually have 300 episodes because there's two episodes a week. And some of them in the beginning, like I said, were five episodes. Anything over 300 episodes, Apple and Spotify will not register. They'll just keep bumping it up. So like right now, episode 21 is the oldest. Next week, it's going to be episode 22 is the oldest and so on and so on. So it'll keep pushing it up the more we add. So she said to fix this, we need to load all of our episodes onto the website so that we can, it will, once we do that, it will allow all of them to show up on all the platforms. So hopefully we can somehow make that work so that all of the episodes will show up. And there's some that we need to go back and just compress because yeah. there doesn't need to be five episodes anymore, but it's just taking us time to go back through them. So for those of you who are wondering, like I, I talked about the book Closer on TikTok the other day and somebody was like, I listened to it on the podcast. Where is it? Like it's gone right now because we have so many episodes you can't go back and see it. So, but hopefully we can get it loaded and everything should be okay. But just in case anybody was ever wondering, that's what it is. So 
All right. Let's talk about J.C. Wolf. Let's do it. <laughs> I know. We've got a second half of Ring Your Neck. But before we, I wanted, before we go, I wanted to let you guys know, remember to grab this in the ebook. There is going to be a bonus epilogue in it. And um, be on the lookout for her newest release, which is Mark of the Beast. It's in her um, Motorcycle Club Romance series. It's coming out April 27th. It's a safe MC series. The first book is a novella. If you want to read it and try it, see if you like it. The rest of the books are full length, which I love. Also, the second book in this series that you're about to listen to, Ring Your Neck, there's going to be a book after this. It's called The Final Inning Series is the name of it. The second book is Home Sweet Home Plate, and that's going to come out in May. So make sure you check out all that good stuff and follow JC Wolf on TikTok. She's a hoot. So let's send them in. Let's do it. See you guys on the other side. Chapter three. Fierce. Come on in, ignore the mess, Millie says, walking into the small apartment and throwing her keys on the side table just inside the door. The place really isn't a mess, but it is cluttered with books, skating magazines, skateboard parts, and everything that makes up Millie. Damn, I've missed her so much. So, how long you in town for? She asks me, going to the kitchen and grabbing two bottles of water, handing one to me. Actually, I'm only in town today. I have to head back tomorrow for work. I just had to come back to see if you were still here. I tell her honestly. I couldn't wait the six months to see if she had moved on. Hell, I barely waited a week. Being so close to her but not seeing her was killing me. I had to see if she had a man. If she didn't... I knew I was just wasting time until someone saw what a gift she is and snatched her up. You came back for me? She asks, surprised. Of course I did, Millie. I told you I would. I would have come sooner, but I figured you had moved on when you stopped writing to me and answering my calls. Found someone else. It wasn't a stretch. Any man on this planet would give their left arm to be with you. I tell her looking at her devastated face. I don't understand why she's looking at me that way. I tried to move on, she whispers. Those words stop my heart. Did she fall in love with someone else? Experience all her first with some other guy? I wouldn't blame her, but it still feels like a hot poker stabbing me in the heart. I almost went on so many dates trying to get over you, but I couldn't follow through with any of them. I ended up canceling them all until finally just giving up, she tells me. I breathe a little easier hearing that. I was so mad at you. I was so angry that you moved away, that you left me in this town that I hate more than life, that you went on with your life, on dates with other girls, that you moved on so easily. Wait, wait, wait. What are you talking about? I never went on any dates. Not one, I say, stopping her in her tracks. Again, I don't understand the look of anger on her face until she yells. Don't lie to me, Pierce Lockwood. I stopped calling because your mom told me about you out on a date with Becca. Who the fuck is Becca? I don't even know a damn Becca. I'm telling you, Millie, I've never been on a date in my life. Well, except with you. You are the only person who has ever had my heart. I plead, 
begging her to understand. I called one night after my phone got cut off and I stopped getting your letters. I was so excited to hear your voice again. Your mom answered, though. She told me you weren't home. She cuts off, choking on the words she's trying to get out. She told me you were out on a date with your girlfriend, Becca. I rear back like she slapped me. What the hell is going on? I was never on a date with anyone. I don't understand why my mother would ever tell Millie that. From the first day I saw Millie, my mom has known that she was my end-all be-all. She was my forever girl. She was her future daughter-in-law, the mother of her future grandchildren. The more I think about those words coming out of my mother's mouth, the more pissed I get. I take my phone out of my pocket, dialing her number and placing it on speakerphone. She answers on the second ring. She knows I pay all of her bills now with the money I got for my MLB signing and knows better than to ignore my call. Hello, dear son of mine, how are you? She asks, and I can hear the love in her voice, but I don't let that soothe the anger. Funny story, actually. I came back to our hometown to find the woman I've always planned on marrying. Take a guess at what I just learned. Why I haven't heard from her after all these years. I say, giving her a chance to explain. I hear the quick intake of breath, and that's all the answer I need. I never once doubted what Millie said. But I guess I was just hoping it was a horrible misunderstanding. You're back in that town? You're with Millie? She asks in a whisper. Yes, I am. What did you do, Mom? I ask, my heart breaking at the thoughts running around my head. I'm so sorry, Pierce. I never meant to hurt either of you, she says, and I can hear the tears in her voice. What did you tell her, Mom? I ask again. I told her a lie. I told Millie when she called you were on a date with your girlfriend. I made up a name, so I can't even remember what it was. I'm so sorry, Pierce. I'm so sorry, she says. But there's only one thing I want to hear from her. Why? I ask simply. That town killed both of us. I could see the pain on your face every single day from not being near her. I knew that pain more than anyone else because it was the same pain I faced every time I looked back on that town. I wanted us both to have a fresh start. She pleads with me to understand. No, mother, you're wrong. The look I saw on your face every day was one of hurt, betrayal, and heartache. While you may have seen heartache when you looked at me, you didn't see any other of those emotions. You saw me being ripped away from the other half of my soul. You saw longing, not hate. And I knew that one day I would go back. I would get that other half of my heart. You almost took that away from me altogether. I can't take this conversation anymore. I shake my head before muttering a goodbye. Unfortunately, my manners get the best of me. I wish I could just hang up, but it's still my mother. You never went on a date? Millie asks in a whisper. Not one, baby, 
never in my life. I couldn't betray you like that, I tell her. Millie's whole body seems to deflate as she almost drops to the floor as she cries, letting it all out. I grab her before she can hit the floor, catching her and pulling her into my chest. I could have found you years ago. I could have come to you. Had you for all these years, but I was so angry, hurt, and heartbroken. I couldn't see past the image of you with someone else. I hate myself for not talking to you, for just cutting you off, she cries. But I shush her. I should have come back sooner. When I didn't hear anything from you, I figured you met someone and chased the dream of having a family. It killed me, but I kept telling myself you were happy. That's all that mattered. I dreaded coming back to this town. I knew I wouldn't be able to handle seeing you with someone else. Living the dream we created together with another man. So I stayed away. I try to explain. If I saw her with someone else, it would have broken me forever. I didn't want to risk that. I know it's stupid and probably makes me a coward, but I don't give a shit. I was protecting my heart, and I can't change that now. I'm so sorry, she whispers, leaning up to kiss my jaw. Nothing to be sorry for. It's over now. I have the woman I've wanted since I was six years old in my arms. There's no way in hell I'm ever letting you go. I bend down, taking her mouth in a hard, claiming kill. It's different from that first kiss when we were still kids. This is all fire, passion, and love. Take me, Pierce. Please. I've waited years for this. Make me yours. She whispers to me, and I groan. I didn't come here for this. I came for closure. I came to make sure Millie was happy that she had everything she ever wanted out of life. This was just a fantasy, a dream I thought would never come true. Now, I have the chance to live that dream, that fantasy. I'm an MLB star, and I thought that was my future. That was my dream. I was dead wrong. My dream, my future, is in my arms now. She's giving me everything I want for my future. She's handing it to me in the palm of her hands. And I'm a greedy fucking bastard. Chapter 4 Millie Where is your room? Pierce asks. I point down the hall to the last door on the right. Be sure, Millie. I need you to be absolutely positive you are ready to be mine. Once I have you undressed on that bed, buried deep inside you, that's it. You will be moving in with me, and I'm stealing you away from this town. We will never have to return if you don't want to, but I need to make myself clear. You will be giving up your life here to come live with me. I would move anywhere you wanted to if I could, but I have to wait until my contract's up. He tells me. I want to ask what contract and what he does for work, but I want to feel him inside me even more. To feel connected to him like I used to. To snap that bond back into place that we let fall apart far too long ago. I have nothing here. 
I've had nothing since the moment he left me behind in this town, whether intentionally or not. I would follow this man anywhere, no questions asked. Call me crazy, call me stupid, I don't really care. This man has held my heart in his hands for most of my life. I'm going to leap at any chance of being with him. I want you forever and always. The past is left in the past. I want you now, I tell him, leaning up in his arms and placing a kiss on his lips. The next thing I know, he has us both stripped completely bare and spread across my bed. I've never been so nervous yet so turned on in my life. I start to cover my breasts, but he stops me, taking my hands in his big strong ones and raising them above my head. I've jerked off to just the thought of you for years, Millie. I've only had the touch of your lips. No way in hell you're denying me the sight of you now. I want to see every single inch, he says, leaning down and taking a nipple into his mouth. He plays with them, making them swollen and red before kissing the skin between my breasts and moving down. Just one taste. One little taste, he mumbles, but I can't tell if he's talking to himself or to me. Honestly, I don't care. I just need him to do something. He leans down between my parted legs, keeping eye contact with me before taking a long, slow lick, moaning when he's met with a gush of wetness that covers his tongue, his mouth, his chin. I watch as his eyes roll to the back of his head, and he hums. That sight has all the nerves, all the tension leaving my body. All I want now is to feel him, feel every inch of him. Fuck. All the money in the fucking world couldn't pay for this gourmet meal, he says, attacking my folds. The pressure, the pleasure is too much. I can't take it. I'm missing something, and I know exactly what it is. It's him. I'm missing him inside me. Please, Pierce, I need you now, I beg. I can tell he's reluctant to stop, but I also know he won't deny me anything. He's never been able to. So with one more long, slow lick, he pulls back hurriedly crawling over my body. I dig into his shoulder, running my hands over every muscle of his body. I see a scattering of tattoos, and I want to explore every inch of him. But right now, I just need to be one with him. I need to feel connected in every way possible. I've waited for you, Millie. I know I already said it, but I have to say it again. I've never done this before, and I want nothing between us. I completely understand if you need that protection, but I don't have a condom. We can stop and run to the convenience. I cut him off with a hard kiss. I don't want anything between us either. Take me, all of me. I beg, pushing my tongue between his lips, tangling with his. He lowers his body to mine, and I widen my legs to make room for him. 
with his clothes on, I didn't realize just how much he's grown from that 16-year-old kid who wanted to protect me from the world to this man who could take down the entire world. I love you, Millie, more than anything. Please tell me you'll come back with me, live with me, marry me. He begs, pushing his tip barely into my entrance. I'll come with you, but I want a real ring, a real proposal, and you can never take your ring off your finger. I tell him, dead serious. I hate I'm still wearing that stupid ring he gave me so long ago. I feel like a silly kid. I never took the first one off, baby. He tells me, pulling the gold chain he has hanging around his neck up from between our joined bodies. I don't know how I didn't notice it before. His shirt was hiding it when I saw him at first today, but I was so focused on his body I didn't realize he's had it on all along. I cry out when he surges forward into me, but I don't know if it's from the pleasure pain of his intrusion or the knowledge and feelings that he really waited for me. He really kept his promise. I'm sorry, baby. Fuck. I'm so happy you waited for me, too. You are all mine. Forever. He roars as he pulls almost all the way out and then pushes back in. The pain is completely gone. Only pleasure is left. Pleasure seems like such a tame word for this joining, for this enchanting and magical feeling of being his, being with the other half of my soul. Please, I'm close. Don't stop, I beg. But the way his hips piston in and out of me, I don't think he'll ever stop. I welcome his thrusts, the driving heat of him pushing me over that edge. What feels like a never-ending explosion of passion takes over my mind, body, and soul. I hear Pierce make a strangled cry before I feel his cock jump inside me, and his weight falls to my chest. I'm crushing you, he pants, moving to roll to the side. I wrap my legs and arms around him, keeping him exactly where he is. There is no place I would rather him be in this moment. Say you'll come back with me tomorrow, he says. His voice sounds sleepy, and I feel the same exhaustion pulling me under. I know what people will say if I go. I know what my mother will say, too, that I'm being rash, stupid, impulsive, and completely irresponsible. And maybe they would be right. But do I give a shit? Hell no. Maybe this will be the worst mistake of my life. Maybe we will be together for a week, a month, a year, and he will decide I'm too much to handle and I'm too weird to be around. Or it could be the start of my new and exciting life. I'll never know if I don't take the chance. I'll go wherever you want to go tomorrow. But exactly where is home? What are you up to these days? I ask, running my hands through his hair. Uh, you mean you haven't guessed it yet? I only ever had two dreams in my life. 
One is in this bed with me after defiling me and ripping away my innocence. He teases, and I chuckle, slapping his shoulder. The other dream hadn't changed, and I was lucky as hell to get to make that dream my reality. He explains, lifting his head and raising a brow at me. I take a minute to realize what he's saying. I stop rubbing his head and look down at him in shock. You're still playing baseball? I whisper, not believing it. Yep, and I'm getting paid millions to do it. He says, smiling. I can't help the smile that overtakes my face. This man is so strong, so devoted. He fights for what he wants and refuses to take anything else. I've missed him so damn much. Chapter 5 Pierce Bringing Millie to my home has to be the best feeling in the world. Just knowing she's here with me, surrounded by my things, adding all her things to mine, settles something inside me. Something I didn't realize was impacting so much of my life. I was holding on to a ghost for so long, and now I miraculously have that piece of my soul back. I refuse to lose it, to lose her again. I'm back in the locker room getting ready for another game, but I have someone in the stands cheering me on this time. I have my whole reason for living in the stands. My name and number stamped on her back. Yo, what has you smiling like a fool? Josh, our shortstop, asks. I found my girl. I tell my team simply. They all rib me, all but Lane, who looks at me thoughtfully. I don't mind the teasing. I'm happier than I've ever been. Congrats, man. Glad you finally found her. Make sure to hold on tight, he tells me, grabbing his glove, shutting his locker, and patting my shoulder as he passes me. I'm grateful as hell these guys have brought me in, made me feel like part of the team, part of the family. I have everything I could ask for in life, everything but the girl of my dreams married to me and round with my baby. But I'm hoping to fix those last two very soon. All right, let's get out there and fuck shit up, Hudson says, and the cheering starts as we make our way down the tunnel and to the dugout. As soon as I walk on the field, my eyes automatically search for my woman. I find her right past the dugout on the first baseline, her seat on the railing so I can easily talk to her after the game. I wanted to put her in the box seats, but she wanted to be as close to the field as possible. I would do anything for this girl. She's looking straight at me, and I want more than anything to go to her, tug her over the railing and kiss her senseless but I also know my coaches would have my ass for that. I lift my hat to her and pat the ring hanging around my neck. She's smiling so wide and I love seeing her here, cheering for me. The game starts and I'm playing the best game of my life. Nothing is getting past my third baseline. My bat is on point, getting me one home run and another base hit right over second base. Nothing could be better than this moment right here, or so I thought. 
I'm on cloud nine when my world slides out from under me. I watch as DeMarco, the star player for the Pittsburgh Pirates, the team we are playing against today, steps up to bat. His first pitch is a strike, second pitch, strike, third pitch, my whole world crashes. DeMarco hits a foul ball straight toward Millie. I hold my breath as it plays out in slow motion. Millie ducks away from the ball, but the two guys next to her dive for it. One catches the ball, holding it in the air and cheering. I breathe easier, thankful my girl is safe. Of course, it's not over, though. The guy beside her, the one that didn't catch the ball, shoves the other guy. I watch helplessly as they argue over the top of my girl's head. She tries to move around them, but they are shoving and pushing, causing her to stumble. Fuck that and fuck this game. I don't even pause to watch what's happening, even though I hear Lane and Josh trying to get my attention. I don't stop running across the field, and I watch as one fucker raises his fist as Millie gets her footing and tries again to get around the fighting pair. The swing is wild, and I know the fuckers are probably wasted. The swing catches Millie right across the cheek, and she goes flying to the railing, losing her balance. I roar and try to pump my arms faster to get to her, but I can't. I'm not fast enough. The guy must realize what's happening because he scrambles, trying to catch Millie before she falls to the field. It's too late, though. She goes over and lands in an awkward position right on her head. I make it to her just in time, but before I can grab her, Hudson has his arms around me, pulling me back. I fight him. Not sure why he won't let me get to her. I need to make sure she's okay. Just hold on, man. She came down in a bad way. We need to get medical out here to check on her. If you move her, it could make it worse. He says, trying to calm me. I stop struggling, knowing he's right. If I move her and do any more damage, I will never be able to live with myself. But not touching her, not holding her, makes my heart feel like it's ripping out of my chest. I want to hold her so badly. I need reassurance that everything's fine. She's safe, and we will be okay. Medical comes rushing onto the field looking her over before quickly loading her onto a stretcher and rushing away. They won't tell me anything. She isn't waking up. And they don't know what's wrong with her yet. I want to tear this whole stadium apart. I look up at the two fuckers who caused this and lunge. But Hudson holds me back, along with Lane again. Josh is yelling and screaming at the fuckers, pissed on mine and Millie's behalf. You need to get to your woman, man. Leave these fuckers to us. Go see what's going on with your girl. Lane says, shoving me toward the tunnel. The game was almost over anyway, but I don't give two shits about what happens now. Hell, they could cancel my contract for all I care. As long as Millie is okay, everyone else can go fuck themselves. She has to be okay. I just got her back in my life. I can't lose her now. Epilogue. Millie. Five years later. Look, you see daddy? I ask our beautiful one-year-old twin girls, Molly and May, pointing from the box seats to the field. Pierce is warming up, 
but he takes a second to look up at us to reassure himself the three of us are okay, smiling and waving. I haven't sat near the field again after the first game I attended. That shit scared both Pierce and me so much. It's been box seats ever since. Luckily, it was just a concussion and nothing was broken. Still, it was enough for us to know that I would rather be in the box with food, AC, and safety if he couldn't be beside me. We got married two months after that game, and luckily Pierce was able to settle and forgive everything his mother did to keep us apart before that. She attended the wedding and apologized profusely, clearly worried she had ruined any relationship with us she could have had. I might not understand how she could hurt us like that, but I understand her heartbreak and trying to protect her son. We've all learned to forgive and forget. Now she's obsessed with our two beautiful babies and visits every chance she gets. We've all come a long way. It took me over three years to get pregnant with our girls, but they are such a blessing. We couldn't ask for anything better. I finally have the life I always dreamed of. One full of love, laughter, kids, and best of all, my loving and crazily obsessed husband. Even if some days, I still want to wring his neck. The End This has been Wring Your Neck by J.C. Wolfe. Read for you by Allison Voller. Welcome back. Hey. We should mention the giveaway this week. Yes, we're doing a Read Me Romance uh, swag box. So make sure you enter to win. And yeah, do it. <laughs> there's going to be paperbacks and all some good stuff in there. Yep, there's going to be a bunch of good stuff. So come get it. Up next week, we have S.A. Clayton with Tenting You. And I'm super excited about it. She's adorable. And she's so sweet over email. It's been really nice talking to her. So that's up next week. And then after that, we have a spring break. So we're going to take two weeks off. And just kick it. So, so it's a much needed break after this long first half of the season. And then the second half of the season, we just have so many books that are still coming. So they are. There's going to be a ton. Yeah. I have to tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make sure your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.